Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. For some reason, you can also find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's holding a, a one-man wake for LaMarcus Aldridge. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Man, uh, it's a tough one. The 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 Spurs uh, playoff streak, like a like a phoenix from the ashes, has, has risen with the latest announcement. They're gunning for that number nine spot. Uh, you know, don't even have to get all the way up to eight. I think they're four games out in eight. But the news of of no Lamarcus Aldridge is uh, is tough. This was going to be his finest hour. Um, you know, it just means that something stupid like Bryn Forge was going to average 38 points over the next uh, the next eight games. Something silly is going to happen because they're not missing the playoffs. But Gerald, basketball coming back, sports are coming back, life kind of settling from this perspective, from a sports perspective, a little crazy, certainly, obviously, in others. How you doing, man? I'm all right. I, I am continuing to be cautiously optimistic about you know, sports, there are, um, you know, players testing quite positive for COVID. So I'm like, eh, we'll see how this goes. Shut it has put out like a full face mask, like shield for their like their helmets, which is apparently supposed to keep people from spreading it if they're playing. But I don't know if anybody at shut has actually ever played a down of football because <laughs> I would I would hyperventilate like. 15 minutes into pregame. Like, that's that's what would happen. I, I would be dead, um, and I think nobody would care. But that's, that's totally fine. Um, I am naturally a pessimist. A lifetime as a Dolphins fan, plus the last 10 years of Texas football, has really uh, trained me to not expect good things from sports. But tentatively, college football is back. We are 88 days away from kickoff, so we are in the second week of our 2020, fingers crossed, season preview. And so it's LSU week, the big daddy. So we have Zachary Junda of And the Valley Shook with us, managing editor over there. Uh, Hang out, give us a little LSU preview, man. Zachary, how are you doing today? Doing awesome. Very excited about that. We might actually have football on the horizon and then we can start talking about it after a really long spring and summer. Yeah, we, we spent a lot of time looking at Texas's esports teams. That's how long the summer was for us. Um, we love the esports teams. They're actually really good, but uh, not something we normally anticipated covering on the podcast. Yeah, we spent the past two months or so doing a big bracket about all of Joe Burrow's touchdowns because... <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing else to talk about. Now, luckily, he, he had 65, so we could do a full-fledged March Madness-style nice. bracket. Uh, and nice. Unfortunately for you guys, uh, the third and 17 one was our runaway yeah. favorite, or runaway winner, yeah. I should say. That was that was probably the play in retrospect that that, that uh, won him the Heisman. So, I, you know, I, I get it. Uh, it. It's one of those heartbreakers that uh, – I'll say this. I don't feel like – we would have obviously loved to win that game, but we didn't hate it. It's like, man, they were the they were an incredible team. Obviously, look at that season ended. It it that was the that was the catalyst. I feel like for everything that LSU did afterwards. So I, I get that. Um, it still hurts. It'll be one of those those plays that you remember the other team making in all time UT history. Unfortunately, on that bad list, but uh, you know you got to give credit where it's due. Incredible, incredible season uh, for Mister Burrow. But we might just be talking about the fact that. Uh, Joey B is is in the NFL now, huh? Yeah, he's uh he's gone, and on top of No Burrow, Elshie lost just an absurd amount of talent. It's it's a good problem to have. You know, it's just a testament to how good the team is. But man, when you got to replace all that, especially Burrow, like I wrote in our quarterback preview piece uh, last night, you never want to be the guy after the guy, yeah. and. I don't wish to be uh, Miles Brennan. That's who it's almost definitely going to be the starting quarterback LSU this year. There's going to be a lot of people saying, well, he's no Joe Burrow. Well, no one is. So I just, I, I wish the best for him. I, I'd love to to dive in deeper there, but I'll just say this. So, so there was um, a, a young 
uh, young kid named Colt who had to take over the reins for Vince Young, and it seemed like an impossible task. So um, it can happen. It, it doesn't always happen, but uh, but yeah. So okay, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the quarterback position at Miles Brennan. I mean, obviously taking out the fact that you don't just replace a Heisman immediately with a Heisman very often, um, you know, uh, the voodoo up in Norman be damned. Uh, what, I mean, what are the expectations coming in for, for, you know, a new kid uh, getting under center and obviously replacing, I think it's uh, seven starters on that side of the ball as well. What What's at the quarterback position? What are the expectations for him? So it's still weird because like having a good offense and really good quarterback play is still kind of a new thing for LSU. Yeah. Like last year was excellent, but it, is it just like a Haley's Comet type of thing where the stars align perfectly, or is this here to stay? You know, because not only is Burrow gone, but Joe Brady, the kind of the, the architect of the passing game revolution LSU, took the offensive coordinator job with the uh, the Panthers. Now, a lot of people are getting confused. Brady was just the passing game coordinator, the wide receiver coach. Stevens, maybe is still here. He's the offensive coordinator. He didn't get a lot of the a lot of credit, but at the same time, you know for the past 20 years, there's been like a couple of good seasons, maybe three, like Jamarcus Russell had a good season in 2006. Mettenberger had a good season in 2013 and then Burrow season. So more often than not, you know, LSU struggled to have, you know, 2,500 yards and 55, 57% completion percentage and maybe a dozen to 16 touchdowns. The hope for Brennan is, you know, maybe, 2,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, give or take, and hopefully in the 60 to 61% because people forget Burrow didn't have a great season his first year in Baton Rouge. I looked at it, it was about 57% and, you know, 2,800 yards or so, and a lot of that was inflated because you know, he played that absurd seven-overtime game against A&M, so the numbers got a little inflated, and there was the Fiesta Bowl where he threw about four or five touchdowns. If Brennan can kind of – do about 30% better than what Burrow did in 2018. I think LSU is going to be in really good shape, especially considering the supporting cast he has to work with because, yeah, you use Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Justin Jefferson, but Jamar Chase is still on campus, the reigning, the reigning Bolitnikov winner. That's a perfect guy to have for any first-year starting quarterback. And, and that's, a, that's a good segue to the kind of the next thing we want to talk about. Texas fans are familiar with, with Chase. I think everybody in the country is familiar with Chase. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson is gone, and, and so with him goes, what, 1,500 uh, receiving yards, which is just let's, like 3,000 yards to two receivers is just super dumb, but whatever. Um, so, but Terrace Marshall is returning, and he was, uh, he was like a 700-yard guy last year. So is he the guy that's going to fill in that gap, or is there somebody else that we should be looking to take that, that second or, I guess, 1A role in the passing game? Yeah, it's probably going to be Marshall. Marshall was going to be the uh, the top high school wide receiver recruit the year he came out with uh, Jamar Chase. It's just like this gruesome like leg break injury and an ankle fracture. I think it was kind of similar to uh, Laquan Treadwell had something similar his uh, last year at Ole Miss, just this hideous leg injury. Uh, to Marshall's credit, he did play in either 12 or 13 of LSU's games in 2018, this freshman year. But you could just tell he's he, he was still working his way back through that leg injury. I mean, God bless him for playing all that. No one could blame him for not quite being the five-star guy everyone thought he was going to be. 19, that's when the light turned on for him. He was finally healthy. But health is the big bugaboo for Terrace Marshall because he was just killing it for the first six or seven weeks. And then against Vanderbilt, he broke a bone in his foot and he missed um, the Florida game, uh, the Utah State game, and uh, Mississippi State. And uncoincidentally, those were kind of like the three, if LSU had, quote, bad games, it's probably those three games. And Marshall's the guy that kind of made that offense the fully formed, you know, Voltron, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, it's it's funny because Marshall was overshadowed. Marshall caught 13 touchdown passes last year, and that broke the school record. But Jefferson caught 18 and Chase caught 20. You know, so it's, it's just an absurd season to be your number three guy. So, yeah, Marshall's going to be the number two option. The bigger question for LSU is going to be who's number three. A lot of people are looking at either uh, Race McMath, a senior who was or is one of their best special teams guys, but last year only caught about not even 20 passes, caught about 17 balls and maybe three touchdowns. He's a senior, so, like, this has to be the year he shows I can stick as a wide receiver. I can make it in the league, not just being a special teams ace. 
if it's not McMath, then maybe look at a guy like uh, Trey Palmer, who he only caught a pass, one single pass last year, but he returned a punt for like 55 yards in a, in a non-conference game in garbage time, and he really flashed that athleticism. And there's also a really good group of receivers coming in this year. LSU's always been good about getting receivers, going back to, you know, Dwayne Bowe and early Doucette mm-hmm. to Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. Now that LSU's got the proper offense to utilize these just freaks of nature, they're really flocking to Baton Rouge. And the two that everybody's looking at are some Louisiana kids. One's uh, Koi Moore, a five-star. The other's Keishon Butte, a four-star. Um, one of those two guys might – and take their time getting acclimated, but LSU thinks that these two guys are going to be the Odell and Jarvis of the future, the Chase and Marshall of the future. So look for McMath in the here and now, but don't be surprised if, especially Coy Moore, if he takes off in 2020. It's always nice to have the uh, the five stars in the pipeline. That's uh, you know good problems to have. Um, it, we talked a lot about the passing game. Obviously, last year it was remarkable um, what they were able to do with that you know with that offense with with the Joe Burrow led. But I, I think you would be doing a disservice um, to your incredible offensive production last year if you took out what in, in from an outsider's perspective felt like the linchpin in Clyde Edwards-Helaire, um, who just did you know, everything, I think nearly 2000 yards from scrimmage, uh, was a focal point in offense, had big, you know, conversions, big plays stepped up in the right, um, moments. He's also, uh, moved on to the next level. Um, I mean, aside from just the hometown hero kind of status, is there anyone who can step in and replicate the production side of things? So it might take some time to find one guy to do what Clyde Edwards-Alaire did. Luckily, LSU's got three, uh, sophomores, but one's a redshirt sophomore, Chris Curry, the other two uh, true sophomores, uh, Ty Davis-Price, John Emery. Uh, Emery was either the first or the second running back in the 2019 class. He was he was definitely up there. Davis-Price was a four-star, but again, kind of in LSU's backyard. Uh, Curry and Davis-Price are kind of more the between-the-tackles guys, kind of the uh, the thunder, the hammer. Curry, actually, he got the surprise start against Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl, and that really – because he barely got any reps at all, and then you thought that maybe it would be Emery or Ty Davis-Price, but Curry took that job, and he really ran with it. Uh, had about 90 yards on 15 carries, and the way people talk about that game now, it's like the most dominant 90-yard, 15-carry game in college football history, the way it's just so revered. But that's just how impressive he was – and he looks to be like the leader in the clubhouse to get like that first carry against uh, UTSA in week one. Emory's going to be the guy who, if there is a Clyde replica, it's him. But what did what did Emory in his freshman year, he he just wasn't there as a pass blocker or receiver yet. They're, uh, they're in the Florida game. He missed a block on like a screen pass. And you can even see like – the camera cut to Burrow, you can see him say, get him the bleep off the field. And like, we didn't see him again. Now come to find out in January, Emory had a LASIK surgery done. Turns out he was legally blind in, in one of his eyes. So, you know, and I, I wear contacts. I don't feel comfortable parking my truck without my contacts. I can't imagine playing division one major college football being legally blind in an eye. So maybe that's the cure all. You know, it's a crazy concept to think, hey, I can see. Maybe now I can block and catch and all that. But, yeah, he's the – I don't want to say clone, but he's got the most similar skill set to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I, I picked him last year to overseat, to supersede Edwards-Alaire, and I was dead wrong. I'm glad to be dead wrong because Edwards-Alaire just is a fan favorite forever and ever. But I think this is the year now that he can see that – and he's acclimated to the game that we see huh, – that we see – uh, John Emery really live up to his uh, his billing. I have both eyes, and I was still terrible at football yeah. at a high school level. <laughs> the fact that someone can be a top tier recruit yeah. being legally blind in one eye—how good of an athlete are you? That's just <laughs> Jameis Winston, another guy, right? It's Quinty yeah. McGee over there. So we'll flip to the defense because. LSU saw a mass exodus. So uh, seven on offense, seven on defense, if my math checks out. Uh, Losses are all over the board, but I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, all four of last year's kind of key linebackers are gone. Every single one. So LSU has never been at a loss for talent, but like, how do you fill the void of literally your entire linebacker core just dipping? Like, how do you do that? So, yeah, they lost all their linebackers, but LSU's been – 
a pretty good linebacker factory recently. You know, uh, it was how we're going to replace uh, Quan Alexander. Well, here comes uh, Debo Jones. How do you replace Debo Jones? Well, here comes uh, Devin White. How do you replace Devin White? Here comes Patrick Quinn. So LSU's had a lot of good linebackers in the pipeline the past couple of years, but they did something interesting. LSU's been one of the best um, schools to take advantage of the, the grad transfer portal. They dipped into it one more time. They might have got the best one in this year's uh, market. They signed uh, Jabril Cox. He's a outside linebacker from North Dakota State. And I'm looking at his numbers in three years, 250 tackles, a three-time FCS All-American, three national champions. Uh, he was uh, whatever the Budkiss Award version for FCS ball. He was that his sophomore year, I believe. So that's going to be one spot. But going to be one of the outside linebackers as for who's like the Mike, the signal caller that's going to be Damone Clark and coach O really saying Damone's praises last year he didn't quite get on the field as much as you would have thought but Damone sees to be the next guy especially that middle linebacker spot it's interesting how each one of these middle linebackers they'll shoot kind of waste their turn it only gets a year but it's a, it's a great year so Clark's probably the next guy to be that Mike linebacker and then they're doing something really interesting. I, I'm curious how this works out. They're really trying to make Marcel Brooks this safety linebacker tweener. Uh, he's a sophomore now. I believe he came from Flower Mounds. Um, they're really making him the next uh, pass rushing linebacker because he's so quick and he can get after the quarterback. But, guys, I'm looking at the roster, the updated roster as of today. He's 195 pounds. So I don't know how that's going to hold up playing outside linebacker in major college football being as thin as he is because i mean we're about what'd you say 88 days away i don't know how you're going to put on the enough weight for him to be like a true outside linebacker unless he's just some kind of really out of nowhere hybrid that can just rush and then drop into coverage so brooks is the one to watch because he's so fast getting off the line and they're going to need him because lsu they don't have a lot of quality defensive end they're pretty set defensive tackle wise but there's some big questions about who's going to be after who's going to get after the quarterback especially on the outside that's where i think um they're going to really enjoy having bo polini this year now that he's back in baton rouge having more of that attacking just pin the ears back again type of style and i think that's best for marcel brooks's uh skill set yeah it's and it's interesting right texas has had some similar things with last year had you know 11 defensive backs they felt comfortable with and like one linebacker and how do you come up what schemes can you run uh you know maybe because of lsu's offense you see the sec change uh, a bit more where you have pass heavier and you can you can bring uh guys who'd be a little undersized but speaking of that that's secondary, right? They, in addition to guys moving out of it to the linebacker room, you also had two guys go to the NFL uh, and Grant Delpit and Christian Fulton. And I mean, obviously you're talking about talent, but with Delpit, you're specifically just talking about, you know, the, the, the leader on the field. So who steps up um, in, in kind of the talent gap? Um, and then also who steps up to kind of take the reins as the leader in that, uh, that defensive backfield? Yeah, the leader is going to be Jacoby Stevens, a safety. Uh, from the Murfreesboro, Tennessee area, he's 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 a senior. He's the uh, the odds-on favorite to wear the uh, the coveted number eighteen jersey. I don't know if Texas has like an equivalent of that, but if if you wear the eighteen at LSU, you're kind of like the leader, like the one who best exemplifies what it means to be an LSU Tiger, or whatever. Um, leader on the field, in the weight room, film room, all that stuff. He, he's going to be that person for LSU in terms of the leadership uh, standpoint. The person who takes over for the like best and like talents and all that—that's yeah, Derek of course. Stingley. <laughs> of course, I mean, he—he he might have been the best cornerback week one of the twenty twenty or twenty nineteen season before he even took a snap, and now that he's had a yeah. whole season, he's like unquestionably the best defensive back in college football. Hey guys, I mean LSU has produced some of the best defensive backs. And especially recently, you know, Patrick Peterson, uh, Jamal Adams, Trey White, Tyree Matthew, Sting might be better than all of them, you know, and that's not hyperbolic to say he's just, he's so good. And I, I don't understand why teams just insisted on throwing at him and testing him, but I don't see that kind of continuing this year. I think they finally learned their lesson. I would, I would not be shocked if Sam Ellinger went the entire opposite side of the field, like just 
Just one. Like it, it is what it is. Um, Texas doesn't have that number on defense. But number four as a wide receiver is like the number, right? If you wear number four as a receiver, like you've got to be that dude. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. We're not going to get into DBU comments, but I, I remember watching uh, in that game last year, and I almost was like, wait, do I have Fulton and, and Stingley's jersey numbers backwards? Because one looked like a freshman, and the other looked like he'd been there for you know fifty career games or whatever. Uh, the the kid is is the real deal. I'll give that um, no doubt about him. Him being a guy who Texas fans, as you're listening to this podcast, if you didn't learn it last year, you'll want to watch it because I don't imagine there's going to be too, too many uh, additional college football games that feature him that you'll get to watch him at this level uh, before he goes to the NFL. So that that's the obvious name to watch there. I'll be I'll be really honest. I'll be really honest with you. I at times thought that Delpit and Stingley, like I got them confused on a couple of spots too. not positioning, but like Del- Delpit, incredible season was okay against Texas. Like, let's be honest. And, and Stingley was absolutely incredible. Lights out all, however many games you guys played, a thousand games you guys played last year. <laughs> yeah, There's a case that you can make that Delpit had Stingley's Thorpe award. Like he took it from him. There's a lot of people who believe if Stingley was eligible to get drafted, he would have, if not been drafted ahead of Jeff Akuda, really would have pushed him to be that first cornerback taken he was going to get drafted ahead of you know, guys like uh, C.J. Henderson and the uh, the other Ohio, Ohio State guy that got drafted, the uh, the Auburn cornerback. That's how good Stingley is. He'll be the first defensive back taken in 20, what, 2022. He, he's going to be that guy. So I guess the last question we, we want to ask is Kyle and I, we talk about we are armchair experts at best. And so for someone who knows LSU way better than Kyle and I ever could, what's something that you're watching for LSU in 2020 that would determine like here's a successful season or not? Like what's that linchpin thing that you're watching for 2020? Yeah, we brushed a little about the uh, defensive end. Again, I, I think LSU is going to be great at defensive tackle, but it's going to be a matter of who can get after the quarterback on the outside. Uh, Tyler Shelvin, a nose tackle, he could very well be a first-round pick come April, but who's going to help him out on the end? You know, they, they're going to have to get creative or somebody's got to step up. But I think the biggest thing, it's going to be LSU's offensive line, the team, the group that won the Joe Moore Award last year. They're replacing four starters, or I guess you could say three because um, Ed Ingram uh, is a junior. He'll, he'll be back. He was kind of LSU's like sixth offensive alignment last year he split time starting at left guard with uh adrian mcgee but you know on top of having a brand new quarterback lsu's going to have a new center and a new left tackle and those like combined together that could be a mess to have the new signal caller at the line the guy who's got to run everything the quarterback and the quarterback's blindside protector they're all brand new that scares me to be honest it, it could be a disaster they uh they say that Chase and Hines is going has the lead at center, but it, what, what really makes me nervous is they say, well, he's got everything down, but he needs to get better on getting the snap down. I was like, well, he's the center, man. Like, he's got to get the snap down. That's what he does. Like, you know, if they told me my mailman wasn't good at putting mail in my mailbox, I wouldn't let that guy be my mailman anymore. You know, I got, I got to have my center making the snap. That's the bare minimum. As for the left tackle, um, it's looking like Dari Rosenthal will be the uh, left tackle and and he left the program in the spring, but now he's back. You know, who knows what kind of shape he's going to be in, especially not having a spring ball, any, any left the team. So offensive line, I'm just going to be gritting my teeth the whole time. Brandon drops back to throw. That's also why I think that maybe they kind of lean a little heavy with the running backs to start the season, not because Brandon's incapable, but, one, because they got to figure out who's the number one running back. And two, just to kind of give those linemen a chance to just get upfield and block people instead of having to take a step back and pass block. That makes me selfishly <laughs> glad that Texas plays them week two and not You week hate 12. to see it. <laughs> yeah, I think LSU will be the kind of team that you want to get them early and then uh, as opposed to getting them legs. I think once, if they do figure it out, they could be, you know, not the 2019 team as good because no one's going to be as good as that team, but maybe the the 2018 team that won that Fiesta Bowl against Central Florida. I think they're. I think their ceiling won't be realized until late October, November. 
so you know, th- and that's that, that's a great place to put a pin in the serious part of the interview. However, we never let our guests go without our, our kind of rapid fire round that we don't prepare you for. We like to catch you on the fly here. Uh, we ask you just whatever is on your heart, whatever comes to your mind first. Give us the first answer that comes across there. We're calling this the uh, hooked them round. Um, and so uh, I think Gerald had a softball to toss it up because he's a nice guy to get us started. I wouldn't call it a softball, but this is just an opinion question. So, um, you know, something that is a, is a you know, buy you a golf thing is, is doing boils, right? So your favorite item in the boil, is it the crawfish, is it the shrimp, is it the crab, or is it something that is none of those other items? Yeah, no, it's crawfish. And uh, if you get the corn right, corn will really eat your, uh, eat your lips up because it's hot, but corn and crawfish is my favorite. I don't really like crab too much. That's not my thing. I like shrimp. Shrimp's more of a fried thing for me. I prefer my shrimp fried as opposed to boiled. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge corn guy. Potatoes are, are solid. I, I do love if, if people, you know, hey, when they skimp and throw a hot dog in there, put some good, you know, sausage in the boil, and then I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, boxing people out for a couple of those as well. But uh, okay. You, you've thrown your credentials out there. Now, this uh, takes a little bit of a preface for Texas fans. Obviously, no one associated with LSU needs to be uh, updated on this, but there is a character associated with the, the LSU team um, named Ray Baker. And uh, for Texas fans who don't know, uh, of course, that's uh, the, the famous Ed Orgeron, uh, the way he, he describes the that big yellow ball in the sky that, that, that bakes them. Um, and, and, you know, Ed Orgeron uh, absolutely accepts Ray Baker. He he uh, he goes right out there for him. He's famous for running around the city of Baton Rouge shirtless, uh, really directly getting those rays baked in uh, his skin. So we have to ask, as a person who's up close and personal with the team who sees him, better look for Ed O. Shirtless jogging or wet t-shirt on the sideline? Shirtless jogger, Coach O, because that's – Coach O'Flexing on all of us quite literally, reminding us that he can and will whip anybody's ass who tries him. I do not want to try Coach O. I like my face the way it is. That's probably my favorite quote from from Coach O of all time is is the day I can't whip another man yeah. is the day I don't get out of bed. Yeah. It's I want it on my tombstone. That day's a long way away. <laughs> very, very long. Uh okay, so this has been a weird thing for me the last few weeks. Um I've, I've honed in on famous WWF slash E wrestlers from the schools we've done. Again, we're two for two now. So uh, John Tenta was a wrestler at LSU. He's a scholarship wrestler. LSU got rid of scholarship wrestling for Title IX reasons. So then he just decided to become a football player at 6'7", like 300 pounds. Uh, then he became a WWF star, uh, known as the Canadian Earthquake. None of that means anything to the question, just providing some context. So if there was an LSU player that their next career would be in the WWE, who would they be and what would their wrestling name be? Hmm currently on the roster we'll give you the last few years just to make it easier it's going to be glenn logan he's a senior defensive end and he's got green dreadlocks <laughs> and they call him uh rougarou rougarou which is cajun for swamp monster so i think that's um, your wrestler amazing we will that's not perfect. get a better answer than that this season i'm positive <laughs> That's, 100%. <laughs> I, I leave it to the, the LSU folks to have a perfect ready-made answer for that question. That's that's perfect. All right, so um, we will uh, or we'll have one more here uh, for me. The um, this is for you, Zach. Your life is on the line. Let's say you're you know dastardly supervillain has you suspended above a tank of sharks with laser beams. Who knows? Um, but ultimately, you have one famous LSU basketball alum to choose from to take a shot. It is either Shaquille O'Neal to make a free throw or Ben Simmons to make a three-pointer. Which one are you choosing to take the shot to save your life? It's going to be Shaquille O'Neal. I ain't ever seen Ben Simmons take no three-pointer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess... I'd take my 50-50 chance over the unknown commodity that is Ben Simmons general. Why, why do y'all have to get me talking about Ben Simmons? Now? What a waste of a year. I'm mad now. <laughs> I'm talking about this. We have a whole separate podcast where I just rant about Ben Simmons and how much time he wasted in my life 
in the spring of 2015. We didn't mean to pick that scab. I'm so sorry. Hey, these these are the these are the quiet days of of no sports right now. So you know, feel free to take that podcast idea, run with it. You know, take it back to uh, to your site. Um, and and I will leave it with a bonus one because that was a tough one. This is a we'll, we'll end it with another softball toss up here as the as the school most probably associated with the uh, majestic beast or certainly one of the short list, the, the, uh, the tigers. Um, what'd you think of tiger King? Yeah, man. Tiger King was crazy. <laughs> uh, now I know, uh, you know, we have, we have a tiger on our campus and everyone's starting to rethink, oh man, do we got to read rid of Mike now? <laughs> I, I'm starting to come around to that camp. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe you got to get rid of Mike and let him now. Mike the Tiger has, you know, the best situation. Like, Mike the Tiger is better than me, and I'm a person. You know, people just tend to him. They love him. He has a vet on call 24-7. He eats uh, meat shaped like the opponent's mascot logo on game day. It's very, <laughs> very entertaining. But at the same time, you know, the Tiger King, Tiger King thing made me think, like, man, Mike doesn't want to – probably didn't want to be here. And then it doesn't help that uh, – Burrow said, you know, Mike being in the cage kind of rubs me the wrong way. So now it was like, well, hell. Burrow said it. I guess I'm in that camp now, too. God has spoken. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel the same way about Bevo. Bevo has the life that we all want to mm-hmm. lead. Like, it's fine. We'll just leave it there. But, Zachary, thank you so much for taking some time out, man. If people want to get more of what you have to offer, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me specifically at Zachary Junda, J-U-N-D-A on Twitter. Uh, they can find the site as all well, it's the Valley Shook, I'm sorry, and the Valley Shook at ATV Shook. Uh, we're really just kind of opening up our football stuff right now. We're kind of going position by position. Maybe in like two weeks or so, once we get to the positions, we'll talk uh, the schedule, maybe talk with you guys about Texas from y'all's point of view. And then I think in like early July we'll start looking at uh, all the uh, the incoming freshmen and the guys like the Jabril Coxes, the kind of the dr- grad transfers, and maybe maybe LSU struck gold again with the grad transfer route. Well, awesome! I'll have to check that out because I do nothing in the evenings because well we my wife is like a million weeks pregnant so we don't go anywhere because of hashtag immunocompromise but that's fine. We appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure. We look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you guys in September. So now's the part of the show where we do our news dump because, once again, most of it is going to be football and football-related, but whatever, it's totally fine, and we down the 40. So, Pete Hansen, the awards keep coming in, was named the college baseball newspaper freshman All-American to the All-American team. Uh, Great season from the young guy. He'll be back for another year with Texas uh, because, well, we didn't really get a baseball season this year. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about a lot, and, and <clears throat> I know that I'm prone to hyperbole uh, on this podcast and in life, and I talked about just how incredible he was and how uh, locked down he was. So I'm, I'm glad to see him get some, uh, you know, some recognition. It's crazy to think in 20 years when you're looking back at the record books and you say a guy who pitched 17 innings made an All-American team. Um, obviously, the season was truncated, but in those 17 innings, he had 18 strikeouts um, and only gave up nine hits. Opponents were hitting uh, under 160 against him. So the the future is bright. Uh, Hanson's going to be a name to watch. We talked about next season. He'll find his way in the rotation as one of the guys. You know, I, it'll be curious with, with everyone coming back where, you know, the rotation slot as freshmen get stronger with another year and all that. He'll be an interesting one to watch, but a very well-deserved honor. Uh, so there's been a lot going on in the world. I don't know if you've been paying attention, uh, but one of the things that has been happening is that college football teams as a unit have been uh, kind of joining in um, – Marches and end the conversation that's going on currently in the country. Uh, the Texas team actually did a march from Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium down to the Capitol. Uh, players, coaches were all a part of it. They actually wa- uh, marched uh, at the players' behest uh, with members of Austin Police down to uh, down to the Capitol, which is just again I. Whatever side you fall on of the debate, I think it's incredible seeing young men um, 
standing up for what they believe in and really having a voice and using the platform that they have uh, to try to affect change in the world. Hopefully everyone's seen it, the black and white photo of them linked arms walking uh, from campus to the Capitol is is incredibly iconic. I feel like it's going to be one of those Texas football photos in the annals that people look back on for 30 or 40 years. The way that I ooh and ah over some of Earl Campbell's coolest uh, Sports Illustrated photos when they walked uh, the, you know, the... Uh, the campus with him and got these these amazing 70s shots like i feel like that it will tell such an incredible story of the i guess 2019s now 2020s um just is just a really incredible picture that that said so much i think we put it uh on our instagram i don't know if we tweeted that out but uh i'm sure if you're on the social media you saw it on texas football's social media very very powerful image absolutely it's just again i i love seeing young people um, standing up for what they believe in. I, I was a youth pastor in a former life, and so love seeing young people uh, having having principles and having stands and, and standing up for what they believe in. And on that same note, uh, presumptive starter for 2020, Brendan Eagles, sent out a, uh, a note via Twitter that uh, he will not be playing another sta- snap and not using his platform uh, to help move forward the, the causes that he um, – that he has uh, close, near and dear to his heart. Now, uh, there has been no updates from that, and I'm sure uh, members of the Texas staff have had conversations with him about what they can do to probably potentially have both. But, um, again, I think a guy that's willing to kind of put his money where his mouth is to um, to try to affect change in the world. And I think, again, whatever Brennan decides, whatever shakes out, man, we're in his corner, and we're glad that he is uh, a man of principle. And is potentially the number one receiver on the, the depth chart next year. He could be putting a lot of money um, where that mouth is, right? You, Texas number one receivers have done pretty well financially over the years, so so kudos to him. I do think uh, order of operations that that quote came before the march, and I think um, we'll talk a little bit just about how the coaching staff Tom Herman, the, the team in general, has rallied. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I would think that if you're Brennan Eagles, you're feeling like at least in your own team, your own family, that your voice and everyone there is is taking that call very seriously to stepping up and uh, and using that platform. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. No updates, obviously, but uh, we'll be watching closely. Absolutely. And again, uh, I'm sure Brennan did not have talks with, uh, with Coach Coleman and Coach Herman before that tweet, but... Um, I'm interested to see what the results of that are. Uh, so Texas getting back to work schools, at least for the university, uh, there people are coming back on campus. So, uh, the underclassmen who live off campus arrived Monday. Uh, they will be there for a week before starting air quotes, voluntary workouts. Um, underclassmen will arrive next week on Monday on the 15th and will work out a week following. Uh, they are, Pretty extensively testing and have some interesting, not interesting, uh, necessary safeguards in place. If you haven't seen uh, Sam Ellinger's Instagram of, of Josh Thompson getting the COVID swab, um, it looked like the most uncomfortable thing <laughs> that that a man of his age without an injury, I guess he injured himself last year, but that looked super uncomfortable. So they're testing them. They're, they're doing quite a bit of testing, a lot of safeguards in place to get these guys back on the field. Yeah, it looked like a sneeze away from a lobotomy is what it looked like. It was a uh, it was an intense looking photo. I'm trying to scratch the backside of your skull through <laughs> your nose is really what that looked like. Uh, so they'll be on campus for a couple of months, kind of you know six eight weeks, and then the first official air quotes mandatory practice uh, will happen on August seventh. But Texas also released that uh, some some more back to school regulations or or recommendations that all students uh faculty staff and visitors will wear face coverings on campus at least to start the fall semester they literally announced it monday at the time of recording Uh, and greg abbott has bumped up the stadium capacity to 50 percent so football again if we don't have another massive uptick of covid looks like it might be happening in the fall Yes, students back on campus, students filling uh, DKR coming early, being loud, staying late. I'm very curious if any study, I'm sure someone's looking at any studies been done, though, about, you know, your your safe, normal six feet, social distance, whatever is is kind of with 
the volume we're talking at now. Um, I don't know about you, Gerald, but when I was a student at football games, uh, I usually left uh, Saturdays and spent most of the day Sunday hoarse with no uh, voice from shouting at the top of my lungs um, the be loud part of Mac Brown's uh, plea. So uh, I don't know if that takes six feet to now like 12 feet because people are just shouting the 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 uh, the cone of, of spray and potential uh, influence must be larger. I don't know. Just guess. The, the vast Spitballing majority, here. The vast majority of home games during our tenure on campus, Kyle, was like not even six inches of space, much less six feet. I remember being <laughs> yeah. in the section with the Texas Hellraisers, and it was like, can we get multiple? Like, basically, there was a row of people that were standing, and then there's a row of people that were standing on the bleachers, right? There were yes. two. There was like a stair step thing going on. So, uh, yeah, no, social distancing in that stadium does not does not happen. Um, so a guy that's distancing himself from the program, much less the people around him, uh, punter Chris Nagger uh, decided to take his talents to what is turning into the official master's program of the University of Texas. Uh, Southern Methodist uh, Ponies, he will be joining uh, Shane Bouchelle, friend of the podcast, uh, to the, for the 2020 campaign up in Dallas. Man, I hope they have some really good times. I hope they... Uh, I hope they win some games on some Bouchelle did it last year with some last minute quarterback throws. I hope they have at least one uh, walk off uh, kick or, or coffin corner punt. Uh, We do know we we're the school of Mike Dixon. We do know a punter can single handedly win a game. So whichever one he, he fills up there. But I I just want to say I took the LSAT out of of college and, and um, there is a, uh, the Deadman school of law is named after a UT grad and a a guy who happened to be in the same Teos organization I was in. Um, and so I was just hell, hell bent on my exact program until I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer, but I was going to graduate UT, go to SMU for law school, and then, you know, be a, a big time lawyer. It didn't happen. Thank God. I'm proud of you, Kyle. <laughs> I, I can't imagine how I could be any worse. But all right, Gerald, let's, uh, let's talk about. Um, what we're doing to fill is it looks like you know times are getting back to normal, but uh, as we we fill these times at home with the loved ones uh, and 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 fill our eyeballs on the giant screens as we do on the Godzillatron inside uh, the whatever capacity full Daryl K Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. What are you watching, Gerald, in the Godzillatron? So one thing that I did watch and millions of other people did, uh, Manny Acho launched a kind of internet show that went viral on its first episode, uh, kind of speaking to the, the, the social and political things happening right now, uncomfortable questions with a black man. Again, uh, we have long talked about how the Achos are, are kind of um, what I've called them the pinnacle of human development, professional b- football players, and uh, also very intelligent human beings. So I think it's pretty incredible what he does, the conversation he's trying to have, uh, even though he totally dropped the ball uh, with some romantic entanglements. That's a whole, whole nother conversation. Hashtag, how did you screw that up uh, with Yvonne Orji? But that's a whole nother conversation. You know, it's funny, Gerald, what I've been watching is actually one of the shows that I watch every week is Insecure with Yvonne Orji, and uh, she's she's this season kind of turned, no spoilers or anything, but into, um, from like the the second main character to kind of the, the main character's nemesis, if I could be so blunt, um, and so it's like weird, because I'm like rooting for her, obviously, and then it's like, wait, maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe, maybe Manny Wacho was on to something here, no, um, they were obviously a, a power couple, I, I'll be very curious to see who gets to marry that handsome uh, devil, I've also uh, finished up The Sopranos, Gerald, um, it's a tough one for me, uh, that was a lot of fun on a rewatch, took obviously quite a long time just started Fargo um it's a lot there's a lot going on with violence in the world right now and so watching a show that's just really brutally violent uh it has some dark humor to balance it out but it's just um I might pause that because I don't know if the gallows humor is enough to get me through just some of the like raw violence so um tweet at me uh, I may be a free agent right now looking for uh, my next show to watch. So you throw the replies of Texas uh, back at, uh, at me or at the show with uh, with what y'all are watching or what you think I should watch next. So what do the misses think of the finale? Uh, she, you know, she didn't love the don't stop. Um, she, she likes a good completion, uh, you know, um, 
she likes to have some resolution in her stories. We've we've often argued about whether the Mad Men ending was genius uh, or not. I I actually love it. She hates it. Um, there's multiple. So I think she wanted the bow wrapped up, and obviously Sopranos is the most glaring example of not wrapping it up with a bow. Right? It literally just don't stops. Nice. Pause for silence. Dramatic effect. Um, but yeah, it uh, it's. She didn't love it, but she appreciated it. She knew it was coming. Before she'd ever seen the show, she'd heard about the finale. Obviously, it's been 20 years of people talking about it. But uh, hopefully I'm not spoiling for anyone. But it ends just with a fade to black uh, in the middle of a kind of scene. You don't know exactly what happens. But anyway, so we spent some time conjecturing. Um, I liked it, same as I did the first time. Uh, It's a great show. Everyone who's watched it once, I didn't know that I would get so much from a rewatch out of it. I, I got a incredibly more rich and deeper appreciation uh the second time around it's it's one of the all-timers good to know good to know so what i'm actually watching i restarted avatar the last airbender for the very reason why you are stopping fargo because i was like i need something that's just light and fun and not gonna take as much uh, mental or emotional capacity uh because my wife and i just finished waco and that absolutely wrecked me because hashtag i have kids uh but that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions at all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week Oh, I'm keeping it timely and topical this week, Gerald, as we uh, watch from our, our TV sets and watch, you know, protests and, and, and counter protests and, and government agencies all around. The, um, the, the thing that, that we need in our life is more surveillance, obviously. Uh, but no, the, uh, the interesting story that I'm banging the drum on is a, is a small little company that you probably haven't heard of uh, yet, but I'm sure you will. Founded by two ex-Google engineers, um, there is a drone startup that uh, the government is pouring millions in uh, in contracts in, into. Um, and also they have a little, uh, and I won't call them little, a giant uh, in stature angel investor when Kevin... Durant uh, is is uh, invested in the selfie drone, as it's being uh, called. Um, so it, it's it's really interesting. I won't go into too much detail. Maybe we we'll share a link, but it can auto- autonomously track and film uh, a subject uh, via an iPhone or an Android. So Big Brother is watching. Um, it it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, Kevin Durant uh, getting into it is. Um, is interesting. I don't know. They, they publish his exact number that he's into it for, but um, he has he has kind of sneakily been one of the most successful post grad and post career, which he's not yet. But but when he's not on the court, Longhorns. I mean, we've talked about the Cupcakes Enterprise and Colt McCoy bringing Dunkin' Donuts to Austin. Um, they're great, but Kevin Durant has an All Star list of things that he has uh, he has invested in already up to this point in fact um, he was a, a Forbes 30 under 30 uh, a few years ago but was on the cover of Forbes in December uh, as well like he's a he's a business savvy guy who's ready uh, to to start his next career whenever his body tells him he can't do this one any longer but um, some some big companies that he's been early investing in obviously you've heard of the players Tribune um, but coinbase rubric lime bike Postmates um, in the investment app Acorns are uh, um, some pretty. The, the guy knows what he's doing. Agent Rich Kleiman obviously is very good in getting him in the right spot. He's got a good agent, good um, money man, and he's uh, he's doing real, real well uh, off the court. So good for KD, and uh, you know, I guess good for people who want to be spied on. If Kevin Durant and Chameleonaire ever invest in the same product, I will very likely be the first customer. <laughs> it's just how I live my life. Uh, so I'm banging the drum this week on Tom Herman. And we have taken a lot of shots at the coach and his maturity over his three-year tenure at the University of Texas. We have said a lot that um, We've said a lot that Tom Herman has some leadership and maturity. I've said it before um, as somebody who works in the organizational development space and trains leaders and coaches leaders. Like the fact that he didn't want to take his hands off the offense um, showed a little bit of leadership and maturity. And that's a whole nother conversation. But there has been a noted switch in how he carries himself, I think, this last 
offseason. The comments he made uh, after making the coaching changes and bringing in new coaches and, and basically saying, like, I was a bad head coach and offensive coordinator because I tried to do both. That's leadership maturity in my mind. And in light of coaches and, and players speaking out about the things that are important to them, about racial injustice and those things, Tom Herman has pointedly got the point. In many occasions, he he's on record saying, you know, you and your buddy are going to high five and celebrate when they score. But will you let them date your daughter or hire them to be an executive in your organization um, at the March friend of the show? Anwar Richardson asked Tom Herman for a comment. And he said, this isn't about me. It's about the kids. Um, and so just little things like that. Um, Tom Herman has got a lot of things wrong in his couple of years. Weird comments he's made uh, way too, I think, blunt. And, and um, again, doesn't really it was just weird things he said, but. He's gotten this one right, and I've been really, really impressed with the way that he's done it this offseason. Now, again, there's a lot of talk to be said. It's, that's all well and good, but can you win 10 games? Can you get back to Jerry World? Hey, uh, Bomani Jones said something basically that uh, Monday, the day we're recording. But again, if he can put it together on the field and is showing this level of care and concern and understanding of what's important to the young men that he's bringing onto this campus, uh, you compare that to the statements from some other coaches and other conferences um, that could be a real um, testament to the type of man, the type of legacy Tom Herman is able to leave at the university of Texas. No, I, I, I love that. And I, lo- I always love your perspective on it, Gerald, because you understand the way that a leader's mind should work. And uh, the way that you analyze that is always great. Um, I will say this just to, a brief counter to that um, was Bomani Jones tweeted out today and said, uh, man, Tom Herman could come out quoting W. Dubois, but if he doesn't uh, win 10 games this year, dot, 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 um, which, you know, is funny, right? It's we, we want these these coaches to to step up and be better men and do the right thing. Um, we also expect them to be very good at their day job and win football games. But I'll tell you, Tom Herman has won a lot of hearts um, in mine included in that. I've been wildly wildly impressed with like exactly what you said his just his um ability to look inward and and rise to the occasion in the moment understand the responsibility that he has um to the group of you know 80 to 100 young men uh who basically look up to him as their first boss in their career a a second or in some cases first father figure um and so i mean it's it's responsibility he clearly does not shirk and clearly does not take lightly and so um he he has earned an, an, an additional uh level and layer of respect from me during this entire process absolutely and, and again um people are taking people are taking unjustified shots at him on online about co- coordinator choices and like the fact that 60 percent of his coaching staff is black and the leader of his recruiting department is black and he's got basically the next four quarterbacks of the the, the program are very likely to be black there's a there's a lot of a lot of people talking on the side of their necks so that's a whole nother conversation kyle <laughs> and that's all we've got for you today kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet Oh, you can find me effusing praise for Coach Herman and, and Coach Popovich, both uh, at Kyle Carpenter. You can uh, follow the Texas Pregamer as well, at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Cheers an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Black Lives Matter. <laughs>